Welcome back, everyone. A new month of Rig, the Random Idea Generator cast. Welcome back to our fourth month, April. It is the first episode of the new arc where we are going to be rolling out characters, our character creation episode. I am Nick McGill. I'm Matt McGill. And I'm Brandon McGill. And we are your hosts for this story adventure leading you down a wonderful and fantastical path. So as I said, this is the character creation episode, the first of our episodes, and we're going to be trying something a little different. We're going to be switching things up a little bit, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later down the, the creation road here. But we are still going to be creating characters, we're still going to be rolling out world building, and we're still going to be telling a story. All of these will have aspects of random roles based on a bunch of nerdy spreadsheets and a bunch of polyhedral dice. And uh, this week, character creation, we are actually rolling out characters for ourselves. And I'm not saying rolling out characters like you would normally do for a D&D game. We're still going random. So all of those characters that we've rolled up randomly prior and then just had kind of a third-person point of view on, these are the characters that we will technically be playing. And we'll explain that a little bit more uh, as we go on. So to begin with, Matt. Why don't we start age-wise? Why don't you start rolling out your character? Okay. Uh, I will start. It's a D100 roll for the race. That is a 26, which is a Furbolg. Nice. Our second Furbolg already. And then it's next is a class roll, which is a D12. A 10. So it's a Furbolg Sorcerer. Cool. And the... Sorcerer has an origin that uh, that it can take on, and that is a four on a d6. That is storm sorcery. Cool. Okay, that feels for bulky. So for our details, let's see if we got a male or a female. That is a four, so it's a female for bulk. Okay, that was a four for female. All right, so the name of the character, a D10. Nick, you got your list up? I'm ready. Got a nine. Diana Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to be a Wiggins. Oh, no. Diana Wiggins. That's okay. Delightful. So then we have our age roll, which is a D6. That is a five, so a geriatric. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that fits. D10 for the alignment roll is a 4, so I'm lawful neutral. Okay. Interesting. Okay. We have our occupation roll, which is a D100. And that is an 18, so a clan crafter. Okay. And then finally are the trinket that I possess, which is another D100 roll. That is a 27. 
a shard of obsidian that always feels warm to the touch. Okay. Gotta love with the warm obsidian. Oh, yeah. Okay. A quick recap. Yep. Let's see. Okay, we have Diana Wiggins, female storm sorcerer Furbolg. She's a geriatric. She is a lawful neutral clan crafter. And she has a shard of obsidian that always feels warm to the touch. Like that, we'll go down the line in age. So I will go next. We'll start with my race, my D100 roll for my race. That is a 54. Oh, man, a halfling. (laughs) Okay, so halflings have a sub-race. And that is a d4. Ghostwise, our second. Didn't we we have a Ghostwise and a Furbolg last game? Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, that's uncanny. Line up, okay. Um, So let's see what my class is going to be let's see what have we not seen let's see a fighter we haven't seen just a general fighter I'm hoping a barbarian yeah halfling barbarian halfling barbarian come on one seven paladin okay I'm I'm okay being a paladin that's cool yeah halfling paladin and let's see so paladin has an oath so that's a d8 for my oath Four, Oath of Devotion. We've seen an oh, Oath yeah. of Devotion. That was, yes, yeah, I that believe was so. a foreign exchange student. Yep. Uh, next up is my gender. That is a two, male. So get my male list of names. And then a D10 to pull that. Well, there's some good ones on here. Two. Ira Logan. Oh, nice. Ira Logan. Okay, so let's see how old Ira is. One. Adolescent. The complete opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, you whippersnappers. <laughs> Alignment. A D10 for my alignment. Three. Chaotic. Good. Okay. I like it. And the last roll. A D100 for my... What was our background roll? We're thinking... Uh, we're we're toying with the idea of making this like a, a profession or an occupation roll. Okay. So I got a one on a D100. Uh, and that's Acolyte. Which kind of makes sense for a paladin okay yeah and a paladin of that age yeah right right okay that that fits that really fits fairly well yep devotion paladin all right so we'll we'll do a quick uh do your trinket real quick man. oh yes i always forget the trinket d100 for my trinket 63 so that is an alabaster mask. Ooh. 
definitely like the mask of my order or something for sure. All right, so let's do a quick recap of Ira Logan. He is a ghostwise halfling paladin uh, with with an oath of devotion. He's an adolescent. He's chaotic good. He's an acolyte. And his trinket is an alabaster mask. All all fits fits fairly well together. Even yours, Matt, fit fit pretty gosh darn well together. Yeah, the one thing that, that throws me is clan crafters. I just looked it up. Apparently, they're usually dwarves and dwarves exclusively. So that might be something to explore. But yeah. we have a little bit more rolling to do for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, let's see. For a race, we have a 009. A 9, we have a bugbear. Nice! Very cool. I hope you get something really, like, fluffy for the uh, the class. Like... <laughs> All right. <laughs> a bard. A bugbear, a bugbear bard. bard. I was just going to say. Well, let's see. Let's see how she That's rolls. a heavy metal bard. Yeah, it'd be like bagpipes made of bones or something. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, let's see. We have a two, which is a bard. Yeah! <laughs> Perfect. That's terrific. That is fantastic. This is Gwar before Gwar was a thing. That's right. My bard college is a D6. We have a four, which is Valor. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I think now we are on to gender. Do your instrument too, Brando. Yeah, instrument. Oh, yes. I forget about the instrument. Please be like a flute. Made of a bone, obviously. Of course. Right. Let me see. Bard instrument D8. Is a five, which is a triangle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very good at, 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 you know, reading music. So just a triangle. That will suffice. Delightful. I want to read you the description of a College of Valor. Bards of the College of Valor are daring skalds whose tales keep alive the memory of the great heroes of the past and thereby inspire a new generation of heroes. So it's not you doing the valor. You're more of a historian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sharing the history and the the stories of the valor that you've seen. These bards gather in mead halls or around great bonfires to sing the deeds of the mighty, both past and present. They travel the land to witness great events firsthand and to ensure that the memory of those events doesn't pass from the world. He's basically the uh, the journalist that was in the trenches in Vietnam. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the what I think of when I think of a bard, a classic bard. You know, you're in the inns, but you're telling the tales of the these daring things. It's just this bard is seeing it firsthand as opposed to, you know, secondhand knowledge. Yeah, as opposed to just telling the story that he heard and telling it better with different flourishes, basically. Yep. Yeah, well, you and your triangle, anyway. Yeah, right. It's such a funny combination to me that you think of a bugbear sitting on the sidelines of a war and they try to hand him his giant club because he's the only one that can wield it, but he just shakes his head, no, no, I just write things. No, he he takes it and then hits the triangle. 
Is it a giant bugbear size triangle or is it a regular size triangle? I think he just holds it with his thumb and his pinky, and it because it's it's a normal triangle. It's a normal human size. triangle. It's a normal triangle. Yeah, it's a normal triangle. So on to gender. Gender role is a four, which is female. Okay. Okay. List is pulled up and ready. All right. And name was a D10. That's right. A nine. Also, Diana Wiggins. No, no. I had to to generate the male list. I had to generate. I had to regenerate the female. Okay, okay. To go back to female. That's fair. I mean, if you really want Diana Wiggins, you can have it. No, we did this last time. Or you can have Caitlin Noble. I like it. She seems fun, yet serious when she needs to be she's like a mullet yet never the uh, one to turn the tide of battle absolutely not <laughs> right <laughs> no because that wouldn't be good um that wouldn't be good journalism yeah, she's like the watcher yeah right right yes. exactly <laughs> uh all right so age is a d6 we have a three she is an adult okay that feels right uh-huh. alignment d10 is a four lawful neutral that also feels That's right. That's a good journalist now. Yeah, exactly. You know? I don't know. Chaotic neutral, because sometimes you got to break rules to get to uh, to That's get true. the scoop, you know? She doesn't get the best stories. She just yeah. gets the, some of the She's stories. She's not yeah. a very good journalist. Passing. She's like Bruce Almighty with the, with the cookie story. Doesn't get the good stories, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's see. Oh, background. Background. D100 slash profession again a nine anthropologist that kind of fits yeah wow that's pretty good and then uh and then trinket me trinket 100 as well let's see here we have a 96 it is a black pirate flag adorned with a dragon's skull and crossbones she defeated Bowser and stole his flag. Yeah, it's the flag that goes up when he takes over. <laughs> Give us a quick recap of Caitlin. Caitlin. Caitlin Noble is an adult female, obviously, a bugbear. She is a bard in the College of Valor, which her bard um, instrument of choice. I like to think that she just couldn't graduate past this level of music class, is a triangle. Her alignment is that of not, uh, lawful neutral, and her profession is that of an anthropologist. And she carries with her a black pirate flag adorned with a dragon's skull and crossbones. There it is. Is she a poor musician, or did she just sleep in on the day they were handing out instruments? Could have been. Or maybe she's really rocked the triangle. It's true. She was going to be on Saturday Night Live, but Will Ferrell... Killed the audition with the cowbell. She is the Eddie Van Halen of triangles. That's right. <laughs> Maybe she's just general percussion, but the triangle is the only thing that's like really mobile, you know? Mm-hmm. She could do a nasty pair of bongos if she needed to, but she's not going to bring them to the front line. Still, she knows what she's best at. That plays a part. So, Matt, yeah. I feel like Diana is the most generic, I guess. I feel like 
Ira is, I know exactly what Ira is going to be. And we kind of, we fig- we already figured out what Caitlin is. Yep. But what about, what do you feel about Diana? What are you thinking for her? Well, I think that uh, Diana's got a long history, obviously, being a geriatric. I th- it's tough because with that clan crafter, I'm, I think that it is something that she, maybe she had done in the past. Mm-hmm. At this point, because of her age, I feel like she's more retired. Like clan yeah. crafter was her was her occupation, yeah. and to achieve that because it is a dwarf dominated specialty, I guess you could say, she had to disguise herself and then basically just worked her way up. It's kind of Mulan-esque. Right, yeah. But I, I also see Clan Crafter, if you don't want to pigeonhole so much, that to me just also feels like um like a guild artisan, you know? Sure. It just feels synonymous with that. It's a trade. No, I think you're you're right in that regard, too. The thing with that is Guild Artisan is also on our list. Oh, is it? Yeah, so I think if this is kind of almost a specialty. Sure. So she was diligent and that went and went that much further into learning a specific trade. Yeah, exactly. She could have been a guild artisan, but something about the dwarves and maybe the way that they do things, maybe their reverence for the materials kind of really stuck with her, being both a furbolg and obviously a storm sorcerer the environment and the the nature of it all it was something that she had she wasn't as concerned about the commerce aspect of being a guild artisan as the craftsmanship of it i see a potential conflict there okay furbolg and particularly stormsorg feel like outside nature whereas clan crafter dwarven feels like you're deep in a mountain you're you're digging you're crafting metal you're crafting stone oh sure so how do you how do you make those work well the way i see it in that regard is she has a kindred spirit with the dwarves in terms of their reverence for the the material as opposed to a standard artisan or even a a a blacksmith or something who's just he's making a product to sell at the market whereas the clan crafter especially these dwarves even though they're in the mountain and it's a different different setting than she's used to the mindset is still the same as they are almost like the uh native americans the american indians there where they would have reverence for the animal they would use every part of the animal where she would have the same mindset that the dwarves making that hammer or that that battle axe they would have for their their materials so that regard was enough for her to be underground essentially yeah she she gave up her connection to the outside world to travel underground and do her apprenticeship there okay and continue um just because she was still so close to the the earth itself i have a thought that could go along with that too is is 
she did that, as you said, uh, gave up her life and went underground maybe early in her life. Yeah. And being being one with nature and specifically Storm Sorcerer and whatnot, she could have learned this way. She could have been taken in by the dwarves to learn this way to basically be the liaison for the minerals and ores that they mine for them to sell because they don't, you know, they're, they're, they would prefer not to come out of the mountains if they don't have to. So they found someone who was one with nature that could essentially be their salesperson, you know, for their, for the, their industry and could also, as a sorcerer, control certain situations and environments. That's a good flavor to add. I don't think it started that way. I think she definitely went under the mountain under false pretenses. She kind of dolled herself up to look like a dwarf, basically, so that she could get in there and because they're not going to let just anyone in. But once she proved herself and once she was basically found out and kind of came to it as, all right, I realize that I'm not the epitome of dwarven culture and and craftsmanship and whatnot but look what i can do and then offered this as a almost a penance i guess for her earlier deception she was so good by then they couldn't really in good conscience kick her out oh yeah she was like top of the class by then. she was too valuable to them exactly yeah she was blowing everybody else away and that's the thing she worked that much harder because she wasn't a natural born clan crafter mm. but i do think that there was a falling out at one point and she actually stole this shard of obsidian from a greater deposit that they used to keep their forges warm mm. and so she carries that i don't know if it's necessarily as just a reminder of her past but something that she can never part with okay yeah, it definitely makes sense with the the mineralogy kind of background that she's got going. That fits great. I didn't even honestly I hadn't hadn't even thought of the obsidian in in conjunction with the dwarven background. Not background, but um, you know, her history with 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 that, yeah. Backstory. Or maybe maybe it's um maybe it's just a memento. Yeah. You know, of her time underneath she's back out in the open she's back in touch with the openness of nature but she'll always have a fondness for being down in the depths even though it's it's to to the layperson it's anathema to her she knows that it's it's something special yeah and i think it's one of those things where she she has spent so much time underground that she comes up to the surface world and even on the warmest day it's not warm enough for her so that mm. kind of gives her that false sense of of comfort sure a different kind of warmth that she can't get without being down there exactly yeah huh. yeah that's cool it's a dry heat it's a dry it's a dry heat yeah anything else matt you feel about diana what do you think no i think that's it for now i mean i, I i'd like to see what we have for an environment role and how she's going to fit into that. Cause I'm not really sure. Obviously none of us are sure where we're going yet. Yeah. It can determine, uh, it can determine a, a lot in terms of the present day of our character. Exactly. 
this whole character creation is really all past speculation basically it's it's all background it's all their history to lead us to the to the starting point yep but we don't know what that starting point is just yet Brando. Yes. Caitlin. Yeah. Is she is she exactly what we were were talking about? What do you think? I mean, do you want to make any changes? No, I I I don't know that there's much to change. I mean, this fell in great succession and it it laid out a perfectly written character. It feels pretty solid. I mean, I I'm still shocked that we were talking all along about the journalism thing, the bard thing and and just yeah. Boom, she's an anthropologist. I mean, come on. That's that's luck of the role, basically. In terms of her going to, quote-unquote, the front lines, does she have a specialty? Like, does she go to see people slay dragons? Does she see two races warring with one another? What story does she like to tell? I think that being that she is is the race that she is the bugbear you know an intimidating looking creature to begin with i think that she kind of used that to her advantage and went right for the nitty-gritty type journalism type you know storytelling you know went right to the front lines went to the worst battles so the the big stuff yeah and got really big stuff and got all the details yeah absolutely because she can take a punch, she uh... well, she can take a punch, and maybe, and maybe it didn't always work out to her benefit. But just thinking that the way that she looks and the size that she is, et cetera, et cetera, she felt okay. Well, I can kind of push my way in here and, and do whatever I want, and people are going to probably, you know, if they see me versus, you know, a warring elf or human or something that's just plain smaller. They're probably going to go for them instead of me. And, I, you know, I, I like to think that she probably has a few battle scars because some people didn't adhere to that. You know, she may have been attacked a few times, but made her way out of it. She has a little bit of a fighting bone in her body. She certainly relies on her intimidate check. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, you know, has a has a bit of gusto anyway, you know, and not afraid to mix it up a little bit if she needs to. But again, being lawful neutral, she's going to avoid it if she absolutely can. She's there for just the facts. But she will defend herself if she needs to. Right. So what about the flag? I think the flag comes from a great battle Yeah. where maybe it was a very significant story uh, or something that really sat heavy with her, uh, maybe a battle that didn't go the way of right take it back to what I said about Vietnam before you know you there's the Mel Gibson movie that's out there that in the end he tells the journalist guy that's with him you have to tell this story and, it, and it's not a good story so I feel like that's sort of a memento remind her tell him everything tell him all the bad as well as the victory you know yeah because the, to me to me that's like a victorious flag for an enemy, for a, you know, not a, not a um, lawful entity or or uh, group. So tell me the story. What was it? A recent great war between 
the elfish, elvish, elfish? Elve. Elvish, okay. Between the elvish races, the high elves and the dark elves, maybe. Actually, no, wait a minute, take that back, because it's a dragon. Right, right. So, the dragonborn, we'll say the dragonborn and maybe the human races, maybe the dragonborn were, uh, this was a very evil sort of infiltration. Maybe they were, they were coming, because it is a, a pirate uh, flag, so, mm-hmm. you know, it was an attack that was brought on to the, to the main shores of a great city of, of elves. And that city was, it was a long, we'll say it was a long battle because really it had to give her time as a, you know, as someone to probably not from around that area time for her to get there. But it, we would say it was a long drawn out battle that was just brutal in every possible way and and the city was not ready for it and the dragonborn forces just completely laid everyone to waste you know men women and children soldiers and uh, all the way to uh you know the the most innocent of of elf so she she basically she documented the complete destruction of this city yes and so after and so she took that as, after, you know, after everything was gone, they didn't, the, the Dragonborn didn't even bother to take the city and take it over. It was, it was merely just an onslaught. And after, after the smoke cleared, she went and she picked up the flag and she, she saw it, you know, waving in the breeze and she, it gave her a sense of, of duty that she needed to carry on through this epic tale, whatever it may be. So she took the flag and has kept it since as a reminder, but followed the dragonborn race, the dragonborn forces all the way until they were finally beaten when they, when they got to the high kingdom, the high elf kingdom. So this was, this is a memento of the worst story that she's ever right had to to convey basically again it's 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 just always there to remind her that you know everyone loves a feel-good story but you have to tell them you have to tell them about the bad you have to to tell everyone what happened here yeah i like now is this her free bird like she's gonna sing it every night and everybody wants to to know this one or is this like a she's not going to bring it out. This is like her story. And it's just there as the reminder. I think that that is what she wants it to be. But it's it's kind of one of those things that maybe one or two people got wind of. Not necessarily that she's never told it. But they've they've gotten wind that she was there and she knows everything about it. It's kind of like they know it's a great story. And they know that she's going to tell it better than anyone ever possibly but it's something that she's constantly asked to tell but it it also constantly uh just eats away at her when someone does because she doesn't want to you know she doesn't want to tell she doesn't want to continue to tell that story so it's not a part of her set list but it is she does accept it as a request even though it, it eats her up to retell it but she knows she still needs to yes it's very difficult for her to do it 
and and it, she's very selective in when she does it. I guess is is kind of what I was trying mm. to get at. Not not that she won't do it at all. Gotcha. But um, she's selective in where she needs to do it. Mm. You know, more so when it's beneficial to people, not just to throw it around as as hey, look what I saw. Yeah, if she's in a a bar full of drunk rowdy jerks, she's not going to be doing this song. No. Clearly, yeah. This is more for the noble crowd, maybe. Right. She'll like she'll sing in the bar about Floggy McEggins, you know, beating the horde of gnomes that was were stealing his turnips. I want to change my character. To Floggins? To Floggy McEggins. <laughs> to Floggy McEggins. <laughs> I'm changing mine to one of the gnomes. <laughs> What happens? <laughs> and the whole the whole podcast is it's just the story we we battle each other and and Brando overdubs it. Brandon overdubs it. Yeah, Brandon and tells the yes. story. And I have to hum in the background in a falsetto voice. Yes. No, no, you just hit Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just do the you triangle. <laughs> eventually you're going to you're going to start singing a little bit almost like the old oh, Hobbit cartoons. Oh, when the wind so was a blowing. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta just shake the hell out of your uh, out of your throat. Oh, yeah. where were you going? <laughs> oh, that was perfect. <laughs> so, Nick, you're uh, Ira Logan. You got a little bit of a conflict, I think. With Ira, the Ghostwise halfling. Yep, with Ira, and being a devotion paladin maybe i'm wrong but i see a paladin as you're very devoted to your order and your your deity basically that you're you're fighting for but a ghost wise halfling is according to the uh, the write up they are the most family devoted of the halflings so how would you reconcile that couldn't it be a big enough family that they are that the devotion is just to the to the family. I, I mean, it could, yeah. You're, it's your character. It's... I mean, that's that's kind of how I see it. Okay. I know. I mean, technically, with a paladin, the the power comes from the deity that they worship. Yeah. Which makes it a little difficult to say. Well, they their 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 devotion. Oh well, maybe there's a god of like hearth and home. You know, like Vesta in in ancient uh, ancient Rome, that would honor the fact that they are so that they honor their own family so much. So I, I think a devotion paladin who worships Vesta or whatever the the world's equivalent is, fit, I think that works just fine. To be honest. Um, and it's it's a big enough. I see the way I see ghostwise halflings is they live like prairie dogs, and it's just this whole family in this un- network of underground tunnels, and they're all related somehow. And the paladins are the ones who guard. Basically, they're the ones who stand outside and guard, and they wear alabaster masks. Oh yeah, when they're when they're out there, so you don't know who it is. They just they they go out and they do their thing and and that way oh and that way not knowing who it is means that if you happen to be out there with your brother guarding you don't 
you you don't protect your brother before you protect the the greater group of the family. Okay. So by protecting the greater group, you are protecting your brother. Yeah, but if your brother dies in the process, he died protecting the greater good as well. Gotcha. You know, so it's it's not it basically makes you a stormtrooper essentially. Okay. That you are that that you are working with anonymous people. But in the in the less subversive empire way, more more it is it is more socialist way, I guess. Gotcha. And I guess acolyte because he is a paladin, he would be an acolyte of Vesta. We'll just we'll just say Vesta. I actually I found the um god basically she's a goddess of the halfling race who was also kind of a, a goddess of family at least that's what she was categorized under perfect her name is yondala yondala okay perfect yeah yeah so he he's a paladin of and acolyte to yondala perfect i think that's how it works i think his makes kind of the most sense yeah. brandon's is super close but his just feels it just it just fit all together. Yeah, yours was not... <laughs> we didn't have a whole lot to go through with yours. Right, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, it made sense on its own. We didn't have to brainstorm or anything. Exactly. All right, anything else? Any questions? Any Anything to add before we wrap this up this week? I don't think so. I think we got a lot of work to do next week once we figure out what the environment is. Yeah. And, uh, and the conflict. Yeah, seeing how it all fits together and how how we want our individual pieces to fit into it. Yep. I but I think that'll be the most fun, to be honest. I, I, I'm looking forward oh, yeah. to that part. I think these are our most obviously our most realized characters, and that goes without saying. And I think that will make next week even more interesting because we'll go in there fully fleshed out as opposed to trying to fit two things together that aren't complete yet. Yeah, super invested. Yep. So, come back in a week and uh, listen to us. We're, we've, in previous podcasts, we've rolled up the details in this section. We're saving the details and the narrative all for next week. And it's all going to fit together in the story, and we'll we'll get into a little more detail of how how this storytelling is going to be different, based on the fact that we have rolled up our own characters as opposed to telling a story in the third person narrative sense. As usual, be sure to check the the notes, the podcast notes, or go right over to fecklessmomes.com where you can check out our other podcast and you can check out the rigged page that uh, has not only all of the old podcasts, but also Matt's art as well uh, that we put up for every, every episode. Next week will be world building. We'll give that a whirl. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell all your friends, tell all your enemies, tell your neighbors. And I think that's about it. I think that's it for this week. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Brandon. And we are the Brothers McGill. We are your hosts for Rigged, and we'll be back in a week. 
Rigged is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.